you want clarity about what you're doing and clarity on all of that, well, clarity only comes through action. You have to, you have to do it mm. because until you do it, you're not sure, you don't really know. I mean, maybe there isn't anything else you need to learn because you've realized, well, golly, I've got enough. I'm doing it, you know, but with doing it, you improve yourself every time. Hey everyone, it's Amy Lynn Durham and you're listening to Create Magic at Work. Create Magic at Work is on a mission to equip senior leaders with tools they need to be a true quantum leader and actually understand what that means. Improve employee engagement, retain top talent, and transform your workplace culture to have less drama and stress. So let's start making magic. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Create Magic at Work. I am delighted to share this next guest with you that I have uh, today for for the listeners. Her name is Dr. Patricia Suggs. She's an international speaker, consultant, conflict resolution expert. That's one of the big reasons why I wanted to share her wisdom with everyone today, the conflict resolution expert, uh, coach, trainer, and CEO of Arise Leadership Consulting. She inspires and coaches high-achieving women, both in the corporate world and individually, to step out of their comfort zone to be authentic and unapologetic leaders. She focuses on imposter syndrome, developing boundaries, becoming adaptable to change and learning techniques to deal with conflict effectively and with compassion. All themes for Create Magic at Work. Being unapologetically confident is key to being an authentic and compassionate leader, according to Dr. Patricia. So Dr. Patricia, welcome to Create Magic at Work. Great to be here. Yeah, this is good. This is exciting. It's going to be a good time. So can you tell the magic listeners a little bit more about your background? I just think it's so interesting and important to share. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, I started out, it's interesting, as I was finishing college, my goal at that point, before I, well, about my sophomore year, I decided I, th- I think I would like to be a teacher, yeah, a teacher in sociology, and because I loved just studying people and learning all about behaviors. So I did, I was going for that, and then took a sociology of religion course, and was just fascinated with the whole religion and culture, and I'd been brought up in a church. And it was always very, you know, went every Sunday and loved it. I mean, I loved going. But I never thought of being a pastor or anything like that because I never saw a woman be a pastor. Because I grew up in the 50s, 60s, you know, I was graduating from college in 74. So then I Mm -hmm. just decided, I started thinking about it. And actually my father, which was amazing to me, he's always been my advocate, he suggested seminary as a way to get a really good foundation in theology. And so I went that, I decided, well, I'll look into it, but I don't want to be a, don't want to be a minister. Um, Cause I, I just didn't think that was possible. And so I mm-hmm. received bulletins from different groups, you know, from different colleges and saw women on the cover. I, I remember it was the one from Duke divinity school. And I thought, well, maybe it is. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway, I knew that women were there. There weren't many, but there were some women there. So I Uh went to seminary, uh, did become ordained in the United Methodist Church. 
And my husband, I met there and he was also a United Methodist minister. So we were appointed in the mountains in North Carolina and served churches. He had four and I had two. Um, In the Methodist church, you have charges many times in rural areas where you have many churches, you know, several churches put together. So I did that and then decided that I really wanted to go back to school and he did too. So we thought, well, we'll let him go first. And I thought, okay. And so I decided I'd take an appointment, which they appoint you in the Methodist church and they just couldn't find a thing, just nothing that I, I needed in the vicinity where my husband would go to school. Then we decided, you know, maybe I'll go back to school. And because my husband said, you know, I've thought a lot about it and I don't want to. He'd already gotten a second master's and he said, I I don't want to go any further. So we switched. And the minute we switched, my husband got notices within a day or two of appointments in the same area that we wanted, which was pretty evident what was going Mm -hmm. on. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, really interesting. So it was hurtful, <laughs> but then at the same time, you know, I decided, okay, I could fight it. There's no point mm-hmm. though. It wasn't going to work. And I really did want to go back to school. So I decided that wasn't a battle worth getting all upset about. Again, you have to understand this was like 77. Um, yeah. So there just weren't many women in churches at all. I think we had maybe 10 women in our whole conference of 1,200 ministers. So there mm-hmm. weren't many. So I went on to school and received my PhD. And actually, what some of the, one interesting point is because I really do want to work with women in the area of bias. I want to help them through that because mm-hmm. there's a lot of it out there. I was told by a, a district superintendent who does the appointing that, you know, I said, I want the truth of why I didn't, you couldn't find something for me. And he said, okay, number one, you're a woman. Number two, you have a baby. Our son was four months old. Um, and it doesn't matter that Doug has a baby too. That's different. And you want to go back to school. So you're just, a, you're a problem. And that's why they just couldn't find anything for you. So I went, yeah, right. Okay. So then I went and got my PhD in geriatric, in gerontology actually. Mm-hmm. And thought I would be working maybe within the church in that area. But that's not something that churches hire youth ministers, but they're not really into hiring older adult pastors. They, they hire older adult uh, ministers to who focus on older adults to maybe visit, but they don't do a whole ministry to older adults still don't um, to this Mm -hmm. day. So I then went to a medical school and I applied to the medical center, Wake Forest university school of medicine, where they also had an area health education center. We call them AHICS. And I got, I got hired there and went and loved it because I began working closely in gerontology. I had a mentor who that, that was her area. And I went ahead and got my second master's and also a PhD in gerontology. Then I worked within the medical center and worked up to associate professor. And I loved it. I worked, I did grants, wrote grants, developed lots of curriculum for areas relating to older adults. For example, I worked with health providers and would teach them how to deal with their aging patients. Back then, geriatrics was still relatively new and there weren't that many geriatricians and healthcare providers didn't have that in their schooling at all. And so I would help them understand and how to work with older adults 
and that was fun and it was exciting. And I wrote grants, did all that kind of thing, uh, worked with families of, of aging. And also we had a geriatric assessment clinic and I helped some in that er- arena as well. But after about 17 years, I realized I'm done. I, I loved it. It was great, but I had an urge, you know, a nudge, I called them. I really felt a calling to do more. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to do work with women in some form. And so I went and got certification in coaching from the International Coaching Federation. Um, I was also a spiritual director. And then I received a little bit later, received certification in conflict resolution. And that's what really excited me because I was one that like many women, and according to research, the majority of women really want to avoid it. It's not a fun Mm -hmm. thing to be a part of, which no one likes conflict, but we have it every day. And so I really wanted to take that training. And after I did, it made a huge difference in how I worked with people, how I worked in congregations, because I also, at the same time that I was doing coaching, trying to set up a business, I was also working with small churches who couldn't afford a pastor full-time. And so I would do that part-time. I realized about three years ago that I would retire from that and then start coaching full-time. And so that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I wanted you, I normally don't have someone share their story like in that way in the beginning of, of the episode, but I just think it's so important that everyone hears your journey and just some of the thoughts that I had when you were sharing it, you know, the humans, I come from UC Berkeley, which is where my coaching certification is from. And they always say the human story is never boring. And a few thoughts I have just that came up for me when you were sharing is what the one where you noticed a woman on the, was it on the cover of a, of yeah. something? So it was like, it was Oh, that could, or, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, Ooh, that could be possible for me seeing someone else. And then just the, the, <laughs> the sheer blatant honesty, I guess we'll call it of why you weren't getting chosen for, for that. And then also I just want to h- highlight your perseverance through all of that and, and where you are today. And Thank you for sharing that yeah. that story. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, you touched on conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that for a little bit? If someone's listening right now and they're like, oh, I'm one of those, I am kind of one of those people. I hate conflict. If there's a situation at work, I don't want to deal with it. I. What are some ways that you can help someone a little bit? have conflict resolution in a positive way without avoidance. Right, right. And a lot of it would just, what it boils down to is learning the the techniques that you need in order to be able to go into a situation like that and do it with a calm exterior. That's the biggest thing. And you don't get into the defensive, but it's learning how to do that. And it takes practice, but if you know the tools and you can practice them, you can practice them every day, whether it's in your family, at work, with friends. But it's, first of all, you, you have to have the, the confidence, the self-confidence to believe in yourself that I'm, I don't have to take this kind of action or behavior. I don't have to, if someone's being rude or trying to goad you into a conflict, that you don't have to be a part of that. Also, that you have a right to express your opinion 
and to stand up for yourself, no matter who it is, whether it's your higher ups or your peers, it doesn't matter. So you have to begin with that confidence that this is, I need, I need to be able to do this. And if as a leader, if you don't know how to do it, it can really be a, an obstacle in your path, because if you work with teams, you're working with people anyway of, of all, you know, whether they're below you, above you, peers, but you also, most corporations, most businesses, they'll have you work in teams many times, and you have to understand the dynamics, and you have to be able to observe that, you know, not to jump into something immediately, but just start observing it. And then when a conflict arises, you have a better idea, but you have to know how to do that or things just won't progress. Because if you can't handle it, they'll find someone who will. Yeah. And I think it's important to highlight that the leader of the team needs to create an awareness. They're supp- they need to create this awareness of how their team is interacting. And right. that also comes with this inner work of learning about your spiritual intelligence or learning through you, mm-hmm. through conflict resolution, all of these things, because you should know the energy pulse of your team and what's going right. on with them. And you should be managing that as, yeah. as the leader. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there are assessments, you know, to do that many different assessments that you can work with that will tell you, you know, okay, this is how I handle it. You know, I, I mean, the, the very beginning of my training, I tended, I tended to be, let's see, what, what was it? I was an accommodator. Mm-hmm. So I wanted everyone to be happy which is really impossible, you know, you discover after a while (laughs) that when, you know, when you try to please everybody, nobody is really pleased. So accommodation, it it works sometimes and it's good in some situations, but it doesn't always. And by the end of the training, I was a collaborator, which collaborator, you know, you want to bring everyone to the table and you work together until you come up with a consensus, something that everyone can go with. Now, many don't want, don't get to the point of collaboration in teams because sometimes it takes too long. You know, there, if there's a lot of disagreement, it's going to take a while to get there. I, I love what you just said, because I think when you said, oh, at first I was an accommodator and I was a pleaser, I was trying to make everyone happy. And then you transition to a collaborator. I think oftentimes some people confuse being a, an accommodator with colla- with being a collaborator. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's a big difference. Yeah. The so collaborators, what- you know, you're going to get everybody's opinions, but everybody has to discuss it, tear it apart, pull it together, but they all have to come to some agreement. Accommodator, you're just trying to go, yeah, you know, you're kind of a yes person. And in, I found that to be true. It's true in every business. And I found it in ministry. It's no different. You know, a lot of ministers will go into a a congregation and want to please them all. And you just, you can't, you know, you you try, but you can't. And so Mm -hmm. you have to realize when you've hit a point where you have to say, okay, I can't please everyone, but this is going to be my stand. This is, this is where I stand on the issue. And I've had to do that. And sometimes it's, it's hurtful because you get people snubbing. I mean, I've had that happen. Um, people just trying to you know they didn't want to talk to me anymore. They wanted to, you know, it, it can be very hurtful, but mm-hmm. if you don't stand up in what you firmly believe, then what, you know, it's not 
to me, it became more stressful not standing up than standing up for what I truly believed in. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to what you were talking about in the beginning, which is having the self-confidence and being able to really stand behind what you believe rather than accommodating. Yeah. So I want to switch a little bit to imposter syndrome and self-sabotage just coming from, you know, work. I'm, I'm still in that world, but from my old corporate executive job, um, I hear imposter syndrome kicked around a lot in, mm-hmm. in, in the corporate world. And I'm curious what your viewpoint is on imposter syndrome. I've heard lots of different views on it. So I'd love to hear yours. I, it exists, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it exists in win, men and women. I think sometimes, but it's more in women. I think women, it stands out more in women than it does in men. But it's that feeling, and, and I have, I've had it, and I'm sure a lot of women have. It's when you go into a place and you think, oh, you know, I got hired, but one day they'll find out that I'm really not that good at what I'm, what they hired me for, or they'll think I'm a fraud or that I got in because I had a friend or, or whatever, but the feeling that you didn't do it on your own, you know, that it wasn't because of who you were. And that's a really awful feeling to have. And I think many times because of that feeling, we do self-sabotage, you know, that we, we don't go for something that we really could be good at. We don't try things that um, may be a little risky. And I believe too, that with imposter syndrome, one thing stands out. There's one area that really stands out. And that's those of us who are perfectionists. And I, you know, I'm, I've been that way. And I still, I want it just right. I will edit something to death because Mm -hmm. I want to make sure it's right. And I have, there's a point at which I have to go, you know, it's enough's enough. I've got to quit. But that tendency to think everything has to be perfect is a real obstacle in work because if everything has to be perfect, then chances are you're not going to really proceed very quickly when you have projects or, you know, if you have something you need to do, you'll do it and do it and do it until, you know, it's just it's not either you've done it to where it's watered down to nothing or you just don't hand it in. You don't finish it. Um, Also, it can be really bad because you may delay important projects that occur that need to be done. And so you'll just constantly think it's not good enough. And that again goes back to maybe I'm not good enough. And it's a really, it's a a complicated package. But once you can pull out and begin pulling out some of the issues like perfectionism, learning how to okay, it's good enough. It's really good. Nothing's going to be perfect. This is good. Um, And then also do that with yourself, that I'm not perfect. And I have confidence enough to know that I can do what I'm hired to do. And I just need to do it and get those feelings. But it takes time to work through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the perfectionist piece. And you just reminded me, there's an entrepreneur quote I saw or a quote for entrepreneurs. And it said, I can't remember who said it, but I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But anyways, he said, if you shipped your product perfect, you shipped it too late. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think where imposter syndrome might arise for me personally, and I've seen it, you know, in, in others is 
I don't know enough yet. I need 500 certifications before I can, (laughs) before I can, you know, coach someone. And then all of a sudden over here, someone over here just throws their title on as a coach. And I'm like, oh, I, maybe I do know enough if I, with all my, <laughs> you oh, know what I mean? I know exactly. I do the same thing. It's like, oh, I need to do a little more research or I need to take mm-hmm. this class. My husband can attest to that. I want to take classes all the time because I need just a little bit more. And that's, uh-huh. you know, and at some point, and I'm realizing, I mean, at some point you have enough, you know, to really just begin the work. And if you need something along the way, great, but don't let it hold you back. Because you're right, people that we, even without the title, I mean, I've had some people say, well, I mean, you know, I just started coaching. I don't have any certification. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that's yeah. interesting because I don't believe that's a good thing. But anyway. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but here I am like 500. <laughs> There's yeah. not a happy medium, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and to your point of just do it is kind of what we're saying, right? Yeah, you I, just have to do it. Yes. And it's hard to, but there's never going to be a perfect feeling. There's never going to be a perfect time. The weather is never going to be the perfect temperature. And one thing that I learned in my perfectionism and procrastination, because that's what really perfectionism can be, is the expert is in the practice. It is. And I, and I keep telling myself that the expert is in the practice. You know, three years ago when I, I left my corporate job and starting started embarking on building Create Magic at Work and the coaching thing, I, I was in that space where I'm not ready to coach someone. I still need to study more. I still need to. And then it was like, I'm going to have to practice at some point with someone, you know, a few years so, ago. Yeah. yeah. So just if we could send that message, the expert is in the practice. It is. I think that you know, there's help. another saying like that too. Um, I was just hearing it the other day. You want clarity about what you're doing and clarity on all of that. Well, clarity only comes through action. You have to, you have to do it mm. because until you do it, you're not sure you don't really know. I mean, maybe there isn't anything else you need to learn because you've realized, well, golly, I've got enough. I'm doing it, you know, but with doing it, you improve yourself every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. The clarity comes with the action. That's really good. Yeah. Can we touch on a couple of things before we kind of go towards the the card pool at the end of the of the show? Can we touch on what are some things that you've seen that are considered self-sabotage with individuals that may be exhibiting imposter syndrome? One behavior especially is that you don't tend to go after things. You don't, for example, if there's a project or, or a mm. position that you want that sounds interesting for women, typically, and this they've shown this in so many articles of research, that women want to have all of the qualifications before they mm-hmm. go. Through. Whereas men... They may not even have 50%, but they figured they'll go for it because they know they can learn most of it on the job. But that's not the way we work. You know, the way we work is we want to have all the qualifications and then we'll go for it. Well, then by then it's way too late. 
So you sabotage yourself that way. Also, just being taking things so taking so long and taking things that you have to do so long, so far out that it's too late. You know that you you've messed up a project, you've messed up whatever task you were assigned to do because you've taken it to the point of no return. I mean, you're too late with it. So they go on to someone else. So self-sabotage is all of those little things like that. And they end up being big things because they really halt your career, whether you're in business for yourself or an employee or even a leader. Yeah. It's just, you have to be able to do things and not, you know, putting off is self-sabotage, letting things go to the last minute. That's not necessarily self-sabotage because sometimes we work better under pressure. Sometimes I do. If I have a deadline, uh-huh. I'm really yeah. good at those. <laughs> but if you say, well, just get it in soon. Eh. Uh-huh. You know, I don't yeah. know how, long, how fast you're going to see it. <laughs> but self-sabotage is more than that. It's, you uh-huh. know, it's not giving yourself credit so you don't go for things. It's not sending in that application or that whatever form you have to send in to try something different. It's not going for the projects. It's not, you know, all of that sabotages your own career. Mm-hmm. And there are yeah, and sure I would, other examples, but yeah. Sure. And I would imagine in your, this example, you know, I could see the narrative coming up, you know, Oh, I'm not going to go for that yet. Mm-hmm. I still need X, Y, Z. Or um, like you mentioned, I've, I've seen that data and research also where, the qualifications of a job will be or a promotion or whatever it may be project will be bulleted out. And if there's like one bullet point of the 30 that, you know, you don't have, you won't apply, but then on the flip side, the data is showing that men will be like, oh, I got about 50% of this. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, oh, you know? Yeah, that's right. um, Yeah. So it's just something to really think about. And I think it ties back to what we're talking about before, where the experts in the practice, the clarities in the action. I love those two. I think that really sums Mm -hmm. up the conversation today very nicely. What do you consider a quantum leader or what is quantum leadership to you? For me, it's, it's, they go beyond just the, you know, the set rules you might find to be a leader, you need to, da, 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 da. You know, it, it's a deeper, it's more, you know, it's out there. It's kind of this experience that you have. It's the, for me, it's compassion and passion. You know, for me, a good leader is someone who their intentions are good and their intentions have compassion included with them, even when there's difficult situations. So quantum to me goes way beyond this is how you do manage this, or this is how you lead this particular thing, or these are the characteristics that you have to have. It's deeper than that. It's it's being your authentic self and adapt, you know, taking what you are and making that what you do, you become as a leader. And that's taking your spiritual, all of the elements of yourself, because the spiritual part of yourself is key to how you live your life. You know, that's where your values are. That's where, um, for me, that's true. You know, my spiritual life is what gives me the foundation to then go even further. So it's it's more than just rules. It's a, a quantum leader to me goes way beyond those kinds of expectations. Yeah, really beautiful way that you shared that. And it it, it is kind of where science meets spirituality for me in yeah, a way. Exactly. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to do something fun here. I haven't played with these cards in a while, so it's going to be a good one. I'm going to pick a card for you. This is a message for you. Okay. <laughs> and oh, this is from great. my, um, I have a journal prompt card deck that I offered for career and workplace. And each card has an affirmation and some coaching questions on it. So you get a fun question on the fly. Oh, fun. Okay. So let's, okay. Oh my gosh. After all this conversation, there's never ever a mistake with pulling these cards. So after our whole conversation, we got productivity. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So the affirmation is I make time to recognize the achievement of others. Mm -hmm. And the question for you, Dr. Patricia is what are some tasks that you can prioritize that bring you joy at work? What tasks I can prioritize that bring Um, you joy? Gosh, anything is see a task for me, like would be working with a team, with working with a group, developing those relationships. That's the tasks I enjoy the most, where I get to get to know people, begin to understand them and help them in leadership ways, you know, within teams or within groups. That's I love that. That gives me a lot of joy. Training, teaching, but also just that relationship building. Love it. Yeah. Well, from in sharing your story, I'm really glad that you've landed where you've landed and that you're helping others in that way. I'm very grateful for that. If anybody listening wants to reach out to you, wants to learn more about your work, how can they connect with you? They can connect through, I have a website, but it's not quite up. It's almost there, but they can do it through LinkedIn. And it's, okay. if you, you know, go to my profile, if you just put linkedin.com, slash in slash Dr. Patricia Suggs. You'll take, it'll take you right to my profile or my email, which is Patricia at pksuggscoaching.net. Perfect. And we'll actually put all of those links in the show notes as well. So anyone listening can just go click on it and, and check you out. I'd love that. That'd be great. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Create Magic at Work podcast today and for sharing your wisdom with all of the the listeners. We definitely sent some magic to everyone today. Thank you. It's been fun. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. Amy Lynn Durham here. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found at createmagicatwork.net. Or you can just look in the show notes in the episode and they're right there for you. Come back each week and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Keep joining us for more exciting episodes where we help you transform workplace culture to leaders that create less drama and stress and have high productivity and profitability. You have the power to create a burnout-free workplace right now. You can gain access to my new course, Create a Burnout-Free Team and Workplace, where you'll receive step-by-step tutorials in creating a team and organization that thrives. Click the link in the show notes to join us. I hope we brought a little magic to your day. Sending magic to everyone, and see you next time.